0: Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> it's always good to be here. I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew 13. It's page 819 on the Bibles. And I want to bring a, a greeting from the rest of the network. It, it's really a joy to be with you. Uh, by God's grace, I, was, I, I knew some of you before the church started and have been part of uh, the journey as you planted and grew, and it's always a joy uh, to be with you. It's great to be in this new spot. Um, know this, okay? So it, this and this newsletter kind of encapsulates it. There's eight other churches that are going to pray for you today. And on the back, uh, it's Montgomery County. This is what we're going to do in these newsletters. We'll highlight a church that hasn't been planted yet. <laughs> An effort, that's the Montgomery County, and also an existing church. And so half that back page is Harrisburg, and of course there's a picture of this spot on the front page of that newsletter. And we want you to know, I want you to know, representing the leadership of the network and as someone who hangs out with the other churches, uh, we love and are so encouraged about your prayers for the Central PA region. Don't think like, hey, there's a bunch of Philadelphia churches and Philadelphia area churches. There's one in Bucks County, one in Jersey. Don't think that, hey, you're too far away to to be on our radar. And you're in our hearts and our prayers. And the fact that you're praying big prayers for your region and that you would live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus for the poor in your region and the hungry in your region. Uh, The fact that you'd have a guy stand up and be like, okay, hey, these are the stats one out of ten families in Cumberland County, and we're going to pray about that now, and thank you for volunteering, and he thanked you, but now we're going to pray for that. Um, man, it's so encouraging to me personally, and to these other churches, and so we we pray too, and we will pray for you tonight um, as you dream, and pray big prayers for Central PA. The more people would connect with Jesus, and more people would receive and uh, touch the love of God through your love and service so we, we're, we pray for more churches we pray that uh, as Matt just prayed that we live speak and serve as the presence of Jesus and be people who are drawn by God's heart to the least of these so I want to thank you for that um, it's exciting to be here today uh, we'll have a combined worship service tonight and we'll pray for this section of our state and I'm excited about that. I also, I just want to give a personal greeting, to that uh, as someone who's walked with you guys, you've prayed a lot for my daughter. I've shared this before very publicly. And I'm, always when I'm at, I'm here, people ask me, hey, how's your daughter? And my adult daughter, who's uh, really struggled severely with mental illness, is doing a, <clears throat> a lot better by God's grace. And where she's at now in the Chicagoland area, and um, the place where she lives and the, the treatment and care she's received, uh, it's been huge. So thank you for your prayers, your love for, for me in particular and for her. And, um, yeah, she's seeking God's grace. Uh, she's wor- worshiping at a church in the Chicago area today. The gospel's good news. So thanks for your prayers. Yeah. Yeah, it's good news. So this sermon... I'm going to preach at the joint worship service. I'm going to start calling it the combined worship service because Tony Galtpoint asked me if I was a Rastafarian on uh, Facebook, the joint worship. So I'm like, I'm going to tweak that language a little bit. Uh, The combined service. This is the same sermon. Okay. This is what all of the Liberty Churches, uh, this is the portion of God's Word that we're going to lift up and let speak to us. Uh, today, so would you follow along as I read these two parables of Jesus. Middle of thirteen, chapter thirteen, starting with verse thirty-one. He put another parable before them, saying, "The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree." so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. And he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. And this is God's word. In 2016, there were a lot of rock stars that the world said goodbye to. Of course, Prince and David Bowie, Glenn Frey. Uh, It's always, it's interesting to look back on their lives and listen to their dreams of what they thought they were going to do. There's actually a a 2013 documentary on the Eagles where Glenn Frey and Don Henley are in the back of a limo after a concert in 1977, and they're like, we hope we do this for a few years. Like, it would be really cool. You know, the Rolling Stones have been together for a few years then, and they talked about The Who and Led Zeppelin. They're like, you know, we hope maybe we could do this a few years, because this isn't like a lifetime career, that's what Don Henley said, and what's fun about listening to that is the, the greatness was unexpected, when normally in this world it's the opposite, right? There's a kid in his basement rocking out in front of his mirror, and uh, dreaming about rocking the free world, and it uh, doesn't work, doesn't happen, doesn't go, um, the band breaks up. You know, whatever happens. And what's great about those stories, like what's fascinating, is when the greatness is unexpected. Now, what's interesting about these two parables, and I know you've heard, if you've been here for one of these weeks, the past month, you've heard what a parable is. It's just a, it's an illustration or a story with a spiritual lesson. What's interesting about these parables is that the greatness is expected. The greatness is predicted. It's not unexpected huge impact. It's not unexpected transformation. It's predicted total transformation. It's predicted greatness. And in both of these parables, something small leads to something big. Something small. Jesus gives that illustration of a grain of mustard seed. and That's not how you sow seed. You sow a lot, hoping that one of them, and he says a grain of one of the smallest seeds. That's what the kingdom of God is like. And then a small piece of leaven, a piece of leaven is hidden in the dough. The leaven is a piece of last week's dough into this week's flour. And it's hidden in there and worked in there, but it actually leads to total transformation. And we're not left to wonder what the something small is. Jesus says at the beginning of the parable, the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is, and this is in his teaching and throughout, the, uh, throughout his parables, it's the rule of God coming to the world. God's rule, God's healing power, God's presence in a new way. His saving rule is here now. And this was the hope of uh, God's people. This is hope of God's people in the Old Testament that the kingdom would come in a new way. This was the promise. And Jesus doesn't hold political office, doesn't travel very far, and dies after a few years and raises after three days. He says the kingdom of God is like a small mustard seed. He says the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven. Other Gospel writers call it the kingdom of God. Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven because he's writing mostly to other Hebrews and Israelites, and they're very respectful of God's name. So instead of calling it the kingdom of God, they call it the kingdom of heaven. That's why it's the kingdom of God in other Gospels. It's the same thing. The kingdom of heaven is like this small piece of leaven that's hidden in the dough and worked out. Now, what's being promised is a very intensive transformation that we will change. Our loves, which are disordered, and our addictions, and our gravity pool towards darkness sometimes it's in us one day we will completely be transformed intensively and even now we taste it if you're connected to Jesus you've begun to change you are new there are things that are different and one day this work will be complete it's intensive and extensive he's also saying the world is going to change Jesus is saying, this is where the kingdom is headed. Do we believe that? And what would change if we did? I have a cousin, we've only had this conversation a few times, but where he's, he's not a Christian, doesn't think it's true at all, and one of the things that's bothered him, the the church that was nearest to him, where he grew up, he's like, what was weird about it is those people don't really believe it. They say they believe it, but they don't live like they believe it. Like that's what, um, that they really could be new, that that's where the world is headed, that it is all true, that you can be forgiven now, uh, change now, that your life can change now, and this is where history's going to headed. He just said very honestly, he wasn't, it wasn't malicious. It just doesn't seem like the people I've rep- like they believe it. And that's, if that's true, right, that's a problem. What would it look like if we really believed what Jesus is saying about the kingdom of God, that something small is going to lead to something big, what, how would that change how we think about our lives, the world? What would change if we did in our love and service? Because Uh, let's be honest in the room there's areas where as christians we haven't changed and we're bummed out about it and those of you exploring faith those of you are like is this true is this real maybe you see some things that make you curious and you're like other things in others lives you're like wow that doesn't add up how would it change things if we really believed that this is true and this is where the kingdom is headed? that these small things are going to have this great impact. Uh, A few tensions really quick, and then how it matters. Here are the few tensions in the parable. It's small and large. I'm going to name three tensions and then a few applications. First tension is this, it's small and large. It's the smallest of seeds. But then Jesus goes on to say it has this huge impact, and there's this small and large effect in his ministry right now. At the beginning of the chapter, There's a huge crowd, and Jesus has to get on a boat to address everybody. At the end of the chapter, he goes back to his hometown, and everyone goes, isn't that the carpenter's son? What's he doing? And they were offended at him. So it's both a huge impact, and it seems small impact. Jesus is being rejected all the time. And it might seem to you, even if you really believe, like the impact has been small on you. And maybe the people that you've tried to invite or share with or point to, maybe there hasn't, maybe it just hasn't seemed to get any traction. And yet there's other things that are large, and even now, at this point in history, we can admit, hey, there's been some large ripples. Uh, The Wikipedia article about Bible translations says that there are 3,223 languages in which part of the Bible has been translated. The disciples weren't thinking about that. We're on the beach with Jesus, you know, or in the boat. When they're standing, they're not thinking, hey, 2,000 years, people are going to be reading this parable, and there's going to be an empty tomb to think about, and a cross, and actually good news is going to spread throughout the world. They're not thinking about the fact that no one culture owns Christianity. In other sermons here, I've talked about the Gambian scholar uh, from Africa that teaches world Christianity, and also he's a professor of history at Yale, Lamen Sanye. And he just, one of the, his things that he's talked about a lot and written about a lot, Lamen Sanye, is that no one Christ- culture owns Christianity. Christianity, among world religions, has this ability that the scriptures are translated into another tongue and culture. And it challenges, always challenges, part of the culture. There's things in the culture that transforms and things that it totally changes the way people look at stuff. And no one culture owns it. Jesus is actually predicting a huge effect. When he comes up with this detail, hey, so there's this little seed, and you know, it's the biggest plant, though, in the garden, right? The mustard seed. It's bigger than a shrub. It actually becomes a tree and the birds nest in the tree. If it comes in a mustard tree, we're not talking an oak, it's like 10 or 15 feet, but it's big enough, the birds would be in it. He's not picking a random illustration. In the Hebrew scriptures, trees are used to describe kingdoms. So in Ezekiel 31, Ezekiel says, Behold, Assyria was a cedar in Lebanon with beautiful branches and forest shade and towering height. It towered so high, all the birds of the heavens made their nest in its bows, and under its branches all the beasts of the field gave birth to their young, and under its shadow lived all great nations. When Jesus says, Yeah, it's it's big enough for the birds. He's connecting an older image. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Super powerful king in the ancient world is told by Daniel that his kingdom, his tree, uh, he has a vision of a tree which stands for his kingdom and its leaves are beautiful and the beasts of the field found shade under it and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that his kingdom will extend to the different kingdoms of the earth he's saying that his kingdom isn't going to be limited to just like one language or nation all the every time that image is used in the hebrew scriptures it's about a kingdom that's under the shade that's under the shade of that tree are the nations the nations of the world and isn't he saying that one day his kingdom will surpass the kingdoms of the earth isn't he saying that it's small and yet large. It's hidden and yet visible. There's a hidden and visible aspect to your life as a Christian. There's some things that you'll do that are very public and you'll be known for. If you uh, volunteer to keep the food bank open, and Liberty Church is known for that. There's, probably, there's not going to be a lot of people in central PA that are against that. People are going to go, that's awesome, thank you for doing that that's an example in Jesus words of letting your light shine before men so that they see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven and yet we know there's some things that are hidden some changes in your life and in your loves that are slow and hopefully there's some people in your life that see the slow transformation sometimes you can't even see it the the process of my walk with Jesus and my life with Jesus, there's some changes in my character and life that it takes people around me who love me and uh, my wife and others to say, Steve, you, you've always struggled with this. Yeah, I know. But you actually are different now. You're a little bit different now. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. <laughs> but it's happening. There's some things that are hidden. And some things, right, should be hidden. You're not supposed to Instagram yourself every time you do a good deed. You're not supposed to blow that out for the world. Jesus said, hey, some of your good deeds should be, it's like keeping what you're doing with your right hand secret from your left. You don't tell anybody. And God hears your secret prayer in private. And God sees the love for a neighbor, someone else in your family, a stranger that no one else sees. Some of it's hidden. And the last tension is this. It's already and not yet. What am I saying? This is a way to say the other stuff. God's kingdom is already here. If you believe in Jesus, you really are forgiven by God and God's presence will be with you forever and He'll always be with you and there's all these already things that are true of you You're already a child of God, a son or daughter of God forever. God's presence will already never leave you. And all that's right and true. And yet, and the Bible is honest about this, there's also ache. Uh, There's part of you that hasn't changed yet, and part of the church uh, that hasn't changed yet, and hasn't grown up yet, and hasn't matured yet. Some of you what you've seen of Christ, or the community of Jesus, maybe it's the best community at Liberty Church you've ever experienced. Or you're like, these people actually seem to be able to tell their stories and be honest. That seems right. That seems true. That seems real. And there's already fruit you can see. And there's there's also areas where there needs to be growth in your church. Surprise, surprise. Like all the churches in the New Testament. When people are like, let's get back to the New Testament church. I'm like, right on. And they're all really in need of growth and maturity. Right? They all, they all need to better love the poor. Uh, to not just believe what the world alike believes around them. To not... Be completely shaped by the, to not be completely shaped by the culture, but be shaped by Jesus. They ache, and Jesus aches for them, and they ache. The kingdom of God is already, but it's not yet, and we ache for that. We long for it. We pray for it. That's why we prayed today, uh, led by Abby. Your kingdom come. We ache for it. We long for it. There's longing in there. And if that's what's coming, though, okay, if that's where it's going, where will that lead? Okay, If we believe that God really is going to do this, the leaven is going to work totally th- through us as a community and in us, and history is not just out of control, but it's ultimately in God's hands, if we believe that, that this is where it's heading, how will that help us? how will this hope get in us a few things one thing uh, we can be honest because of this hope we can be honest because of this hope that we have now you've heard this before at this church that the word hope uh, in english means it's interchangeable with wish but not the bible greek word for hope hope is like a confident expectation with good reasons behind it it's not just a wish A hope is something more solid than a wish. And if you have something more solid than a wish, you can be honest about the areas of your life that need to change. You need to grow up. Let's see if we got this quote here from a book called Coming Clean. We can put it up on the screen. It's a book called Coming Clean by Seth Haynes. And it's a book where, it's his journal coming out of alcoholism. I read it over the Christmas break. Because it's just helpful, it's really just a helpful book about being a person, a human being, and all the things that we struggle with to cover up our pain, all the ways we medicate our anxiety, our fears, our hurts. And he talks about being buoyed by the truth and the hope that actually helps you be more honest, the constant dwelling on the truth. It is more than calcifying. It is skeletal steel. The truth, I think, gives us the ability to face the rougher edges, the sharper contours. And this brings me to the meat of the matter. The liquor keeps me from dealing with the pain I have hidden in the cave of my soul. The liquor makes me a coward, keeps me from hearing the voices in the darker places of the soul cave. The liquor hiding isolates me from the community of faith that helps hold me up. This is the way of any addiction, isn't it? Aren't all of our vices just a convenient distraction from the voice of God speaking to the inner person from His community that speaks to? They are diseases that keep us from being fully formed. They puddle us up on the floor. Are you sick with one? At, at Liberty Church, uh, we believe that because the gospel's true, we can honest about the ways we need to change, about the way we medicate our anxiety, pain, scars from our past, worries in our future, uh, we can be honest about that. And this hope is like skeletal, skeletal steel because, look, the reality is uh, there's hope in the gospel. Jesus really has forgiven us in the sin of our sins. And His community can help us today. And no matter how hard it's been to change, your reason for hope isn't because you're doubling down today. But your reason for hope is a cross and an empty tomb, and see our our hope for the world. Hey, if you're gonna really get into loving the community, and meeting the needs, and being aware of the percentage of um, hunger, people struggling with hunger, and families struggling with hunger, and the needs, the physical needs, the emotional needs, the spiritual needs, you'll need to have hope. Our hope. It's not rooted in an election result. It's not rooted in even what happened in this church or in the church in America last year. It's not rooted in a budget report. And it's not rooted in how well you've been doing over the last month. Our hope's rooted, it's in a lot, it's in a lot deeper thing. It's rooted in an empty tomb. And Jesus promised to us. That's where our hope comes from. And we can be honest about how scary the world is and how much we need grace. We can be honest about how much the world is really messed up. It's both beautiful and wonderful and deep need. We can be real about that. We don't close our eyes to it. Christianity isn't like, hey, you believe these things and kind of gives you rose-colored glasses. No, we see the, the brokenness of the world more clearly and also the good beauty and truth of the world. We're able to recognize it and see evidences of God's grace and we see and listen to the best news that there is. The gospel of Jesus. This hope makes us honest. Second thing, this hope makes us patient. We're patient because of hope. Uh, and if you're going to serve the poor, you realize people don't change overnight. You don't change overnight. That's not your story. I uh, preached along with you about another parable last week, and how the, the parables of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus they dissolve our excuses. I loved your confession. Like Jesus, you asked us to see. We decided to close our eyes. You asked for us to give our lives, and we wanted it to be convenient. And the parables of Jesus push us. They dissolve our excuses, and they it, it call us into walking with each other and with neighbors that's long and sometimes really hard. In the last book of the Bible, an apostle of Jesus gives this greeting to a group of churches, a network of churches. I, John, your brother and partner in the trouble and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. It's like, hey, you're part of this? Oh, hey, I'm your brother and partner in the, the trouble, the tribulation, the kingdom and the patient endurance. I used to that think, think that that was a little dark. You know? Whoa, it's a little dark. Now, 15 years, you know, just as much into ministry as I am, I'm like, that's actually really helpful. Yep, that's right. That's what life in this world is. Jesus has been honest with us. Jesus told us, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This makes us patient. Patient endurance. The King is coming. This also, this makes us persevering because of hope. Honest because of hope. Patient because of hope. And persevering because of hope. I had... Uh, this punching bag with a, when I was a kid, that you would hit it and it had a weight in the bottom. So no matter how hard you hit it, it was like blown up. It had a character on it. No matter how hard you would hit it, it would just pop back up. You know, no matter how hard it was bounded, uh, no matter how hard you drilled it, we need a hope with that kind of weight. We need hope that rebounds like that. Um, I've got another quote for you, a Martin Luther King quote. Let's be honest, lived and worked and died for change that looked like it might not even begin. And it's not over. You know, there have been huge breakthroughs. The change he worked for is not totally completed. But he said this, We must accept finite disappointment, but we must never lose infinite hope. And he's pointing to a gospel reality. We must never lose infinite infinite hope. Our hope is not rooted on what we see on the news or what we see in the mirror. Because both, will it'll always be a mixed bag. Uh, one day, we will no longer pray, your kingdom come. And you know why? You know why we're no longer going to pray that? Because our hope will become tasting. Our hope will be sight. And then the last book of the Bible gives us a picture of the end. We won't pray, Lord, bring your kingdom, bring your rule on the earth, bring your rule more in me, bring your healing presence in me, bring your healing presence in the world. We don't need to pray that anymore. You know why? Because we'll be joining the loud voices of heaven in the future The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our God and of His Christ, and His reign shall be forever and ever. Hope will end with fulfillment. Faith will be sight. Uh, That's our hope, and that's why we double down. That's what makes us serve and not give up. Galatians 6, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Who needs to hear that verse? Anyone who's tried to do good for longer than five minutes. <laughs> right? We're quitters, man. We quit. Man, that didn't work out. I don't see all the change I want yet. I did like three sit-ups. Why is my body not transformed? We did that one event. Why isn't there more impact? We tried. We hey, we launched this one church and it didn't work out. That's happened to the Liberty Network. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is this thing which starts small, but the impact will be glorious and great. Uh, Liberty Church, believe that good news. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.